0: Anybody see that movie, Greyhound? Yes, Navy Town? Probably a few people have it. Actually, it was set to be released in the middle of COVID, and it's back when movie makers were trying to figure out what to do. And so, instead of putting it in theaters, it just went straight to I think Apple TV. And so, unless you had Apple TV, you probably didn't see it. It was actually a, a very intense movie, and uh, the whole uh, movie was based on back during World War II, as they would take the convoys of supply convoys and ship uh, and uh, troop deployments over to. Uh, the european theater they would have to go of course across the atlantic and there was this the, this this the, the black pit area which was beyond the range of the american air cover and it was before you would get to where the allied air cover would be over on the other side of atlantic and of course the germans knew this and they would set up traps with the submarines out there waiting for the ships to come across and it was a very uh, intense time now this area uh, uh, or this whole the whole movie is about the lack of air cover that they'll have during this time. Now it'd be in this perfect opportunity for me to then go the cheesy route and say, you know, that's just like when you're out there and you don't have the air cover, which is prayer. <laughs> for God and His heavenly angels to be over top of you while you're fighting the battle down below. You see, it would be very easy for me to go make some cheesy reference like that. It would come across kind of cheesy, except for the fact that the movie maker did it for me, so I don't have to be cheesy, I just have to show you what they put in the movie. That's actually how the movie begins. It begins off to sort of set up the analogy of this, that you know, you're know you going through this time where you have no air cover, and it shows the captain of the ship there praying this prayer. It's actually a, a prayer taken from uh, Martin Luther. Luther was... Uh, the one who began what was known as the Protestant Reformation. Pretty much every church other than the Orthodox Church that's not a part of the Catholic Church flowed out of the Protestant Reformation, which was where Luther, who was a German monk, a a Catholic monk, had a few questions, about 95 to be exact, about the nature of true faith, the nature of grace, uh, how a lot of the things he was being told to teach in the church didn't seem to line up with scriptures. So we had a few questions about it, and that's what led to all the modern denominations that you have today was this guy Luther. And Luther, every morning, would pray this prayer. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. Keep me this day also from sin and every kind of evil, uh, that all my doings in life may please you. Into your hands I commit my body and soul in all things. And then you just saw the last clip of it where he says, and let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. And so the, the movie is sort of using that as a, arti- see when the movie does it, it's an artistic expression. If a pastor just gets up and does it, it's a cheesy parallel. So whereas it's this artistic expression basically saying in the same way that you're asking God to cover over you, the reason why you're asking God to cover over you is because you don't have the air protection that you would need during this battle. And of course, that really is what prayer is all about. We've been talking this whole time about being alert, being aware that there is a spiritual battle all around you that you are facing. And we've been going through Ephesians chapter... Six, looking at what it means to be battle ready with the spiritual battle that's around you. So, talked about how we need to be able to stand firm in our relationship with God. That we stand firm in our relationship with Him. We stand firm in our faith and His promises. We stand firm in the belief that there is nothing more in this life that matters than our loving relationship with Him that lasts for all eternity. We stand firm in believing that this life is about an eternal relationship with Him. And when difficulty arises, are you going to stand firm and persist in that relationship, or are you going to bail? And so that's what Ephesians chapter 6 is all about. Finally then, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that you may uh, take your stand uh, when that day of evil comes. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. Uh, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel, in addition, take up on the, the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, and the helmet of salvation. The last week, of course, we looked at in the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And quite oftentimes, typically, when we talk about being battle ready and putting on the armor of God and standing firm in the midst of the battle, we we typically end right there, but Paul doesn't end there. Uh, He goes on, I think where he ends is something that we often overlook, both in the reading of this passage as well as in our own life when it comes to being battle ready, which is what the movie Greyhound brings out, and that is, without air cover, you're dead in the water a lot of times. And he ends off this, right after he says, uh, in the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the very next verse is, and praying all times in the Spirit... With all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Then he goes on, he says, and pray for me also, that whenever I speak, the, the words might be given to me, and that I would fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador and change, and pray that I might declare it as fiercely as I should. That first section there, though, on prayer, what word stood out? Anybody? Let me read it again. I'll maybe emphasize a repetitive word. We are to pray at all times, with all prayer and supplication, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. What's the word you see there? All. Uh, And the reason why I want to point that out is because our struggle in our prayer life is the all part of the prayer life, in every facet of the all part of the prayer life. Now, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm going to guess I'm probably also speaking for all of us, not to pun that word, but would it be fair to say that it could be said of you too that we pray sometimes, not all times, we pray sometimes, like specifically when I'm in church I pray, Uh, sometimes when I'm sitting down to eat I pray, especially if the pastor's in the room, Uh, I pray when I'm going through a crisis, that's one of the times I, I know I pray, but to say that I pray at all times, no, not hardly, I pray sometimes. And Then the idea that I'm uh, with all prayer and supplication, um, that word supplication we'll get to in a minute, it means to pray specifically, uh, that I'm praying for everything specifically. No, I I would say I typically pray for generally things like, I don't know, let's see, uh, God bless me and keep me, watch over me and keep me safe, uh, give me safe travel very general. I'm praying for, you know, a lot of sort of things in general, but I'm not praying for all things specifically. And then he goes on and he says, and keep alert with all perseverance. Uh, Perseverance, I'm not sure that really be the right way I would describe our prayer life. It's sort of like, I'll pray when I can't get anything else to work, then I'll pray, and if I don't see some results on my timetable, then I'm going to try something else, God, but this whole idea of persevering in prayer uh, beyond even that which I think is possible for you to answer the prayer, what's the point, right, what's the point of praying anymore, we often will think, and then this whole idea of praying for all people, hardly, yeah, hardly, Um, I mean, I'll pray for a few, I'm definitely praying for me. Uh, if you ask me to pray for you, I'll pray for you at least once, because I, when I say I'll pray for you, I'm going to pray for you at least once. Usually I'll stop and go, God, watch over them with all this junk they got going on. Thank God it ain't me. Amen. Uh, no, that's not how your pastor prays for you. I'm just saying that's how I think you might pray for. So, like, really? That's how you pray for me when I ask you to pray? No. No. Um, <laughs> uh, but we, we will pray maybe for people close to us, people we care about, but the idea of praying for everybody? No, not, not hardly. And I would say the difference between our sometimes and the all is the difference between power and prayer and a lack of power in prayer. And the reason why we're not battle ready and ready for the battle is because we have not prepared ourselves in prayer. It literally is like going out to war without any sense of air cover. The reason why Ukraine is in the stalemate mess it's in right now is because nobody has air superiority yet. It's such a huge deal when it comes to fighting a battle, and yet it's one of the pieces we often overlook. We'll talk about being battle-ready, all the stuff i got to do, but we never really think about what it is that God's going to do behind the scenes. And So I want to kind of go back and break this down a little bit as he goes through. Um, and he says, uh, we are to pray all times in the Spirit. Uh, this is very similar to what Paul writes over to the Thessalonians when he tells the, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he says that we are to pray without ceasing to pray without ceasing. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? It's the idea that everywhere you go all day long, you're in constant contact and communication with God. Now, I know helicopter parenting is, gets a bad rap, and it's probably not a good thing. You say, what's, what's helicopter parenting? Uh, helicopter parenting is where as a parent, you have to sort of be in contact with your kids at all times, that you need to be there to help them make every decision that they need to make. That's why you're probably, if you're a helicopter parent, you've probably complained that the school is forcing your kids to turn off their phone while they're at school, and it's making you frustrated because you can't get a hold of them during the day, and little Timmy can't call you when he's got a problem at school and he needs some help with. You were frustrated with us when we told you that your kids couldn't have their phones with them at camp, and you really felt that you needed to be there to help them decide between canoeing and paintball and their afternoon activities every day, and how to navigate the, the blob and who should blob them, because as a parent, you need to have some input on that no, you don't, you don't. But here's the thing though, while it's not good for you to be a helicopter parent, God wants to be your helicopter parent. He's actually made it possible for you to always be in contact with him at all times. The, the idea is that you would be there with him at all times to consult him and say, and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight is what it says over in Proverbs. And in all times and all things we would go to God and say, hey, God, can you help me with this? What's going on here with this? That all day long you'd be praying. The idea of uh, another pastor, I remember, talking about this, he says, I never understood what it meant to be pray without ceasing, the idea that you're always considering what that person would think until I got married. He's like, then I found myself, I'd be at the store and I think to myself, no, my wife wouldn't want me to have that. No, I can't bring that home. Nope, nope, she's not going to like that. I'm I'm in Home Depot, I just need to get a a few screws to hang up a mirror for her, but man, those tools, but I know I can't go home with that tool. It's this idea that you're always right there and your wife's voice is always in the back of your head, always there telling you what you should or shouldn't do. He says, that's kind of what I ever thought about when I thought about pray without ceasing, that I'm always taking into consideration what... God would think on this situation. That we'd be praying at all times in the spirit. Every single day, we're living in God's presence, we're in the spirit at all times, and we're always praying about these things. Versus the idea that, well, I'll pray when I remember it, I'll pray from time to time. No, the idea of you're living your whole life in God's presence, constantly having a conversation with him throughout the day. Um, And then he says, with all prayer and supplication. As I mentioned, supplication is a fancy way of saying to pray specifically. Think of the audacity God has to tell you to pray specifically. Now, now God's not like a psychic who's there. Oh, there's somebody here right now. I know that God's here. He, he's just asking, there's somebody in this room who's got some pain, any kind of pain. Is there anybody with pain somewhere in this room? Oh, yes, you, sir. You, sir, you're the one with the pain, and I'm getting, I'm getting, a, I'm getting an N. Is there an N? Oh, Stan? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. There's an N in Stan. That's exactly who I was just, just, that's not God. God doesn't want you to pray these general prayers of, oh, God, bless me, keep me, watch over me keep me safe. Like, how would you ever know if he fulfilled that? He says, no, pray for me specifically. Think of the audacious boldness that it is for God to dare you to pray specifically. Pray somewhere where I can be accountable whether or not I've actually answered that prayer or not answered that prayer. Only somebody who has the power and might of God would tell you to pray that specifically for something. I'm going to come back to that sort of idea in a minute here when he says, says, and keep alert with all perseverance. There's two pieces of this perseverance. Um, I'm going to go back to these specifically. To be praying specifically with all perseverance for that thing. Uh, To my shame, I can only think of a handful of things in life that I have prayed perseverantly. Or is that where the word? Perseverantly? Can I make that into an adjectival type piece of grammar? You know what I'm saying. Uh, That I've been persistent with in my prayer. Uh, one of them was, I remember praying very persistently for my college roommate. Uh, when I realized I was going to go to Florida State, uh, and I, was, I didn't have a close friend I was going to be going off to Florida State with, and so on my application, I had to put, uh, I'd be living in the dorm, and I didn't have anybody to live with, so they would assign me a roommate. That's kind of a daunting thing if you think about it. You're 18, you're going to be going off to college for the first time, and some random person is going to be assigned to you that you're going to live with. I mean, think about Like, would you just randomly right now go on Craigslist and say, I need a roommate, somebody come live with me, and just let the Internet choose somebody at random? No, 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 I wouldn't. But that's what you're doing when you go off to college. And so I was was terrified of this. I had heard some horror stories about people who went off and had these awful roommates, and so I prayed, literally, because I remember when I was in high school, I would pray every single night before I went to bed, and every single night I remember praying, and God, watch over whoever I choose, you know, you give me as a roommate, may they be somebody who loves you, has a relationship with you, and that you would bless me in this. And I would just would be praying very specifically for this roommate. And I got uh, word that summer before I went to college uh, that my roommate would be this guy, I won't say his name, but he was, you know, he was a Christian. I was like, wow, thank you, God, you've answered the prayer. And I get up there and I meet him, and I realize, by Christian, he means he's probably been to church once. <laughs> and then come to find out... A lot of people when they go off to college party, there's a select group of guys, though, who are like the guys who party in the dorm. It's a very unique crowd. Like, they don't go anywhere else. They just hang out in the dorm. And so I would go out and have fun with my friends. See, yeah, I don't par- I have fun. Mm-hmm. Sophomore year, I party. Freshman year, not as much. But anyways, that's, 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 that's digressing. Um, <laughs> I would come home at a reasonable hour, and... Because he was about 6'2", 6'3", 250, 270, we had bunk beds, and mine was the bottom bunk, his was the top bunk. You know where this is going. His friends would oftentimes throw him in my bed, and I would come home to this drunk, passed out, large, sweaty guy in my bed. Yeah, that's bad. That wasn't the worst. The worst was when he threw up in our room and there was throw up on the carpet, the bookcase, and all of the, of the desk. I got a picture of it right, no, I'm kidding. I, I, no, 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 I did that to y'all once before, I won't ever do that again. And I remember thinking to myself, really God? I prayed every day that this wouldn't be my life, and yet it is. Well, the thing is is his best friend in the dorm was this kid who lived across the hall that they would party with all the time and just trash our room and everything else um and his roommate the the guy across the hall um who he was best friends with that guy's roommate was also annoyed with all this stuff going on and so eventually he and i kind of became good friends and we just talked one night we're like man if only we could just you know switch roommates well like a week later i come home you know you never knew what you were going to find in my room with this guy and my friend from across the hall is in my room. I'm like, what are you doing in here? He goes, I'm unpacking. We switched. <laughs> to this day, that guy's one of my two best friends in life. I prayed very specifically for my college roommate, and I persevered in that. And you know, even when you think God's failed you, and you think that he's blown it, and you think that, well, if you were gonna give me a good roommate, you've already had the opportunity. We're kind of past that now. One of the other lessons I learned in prayer is it's not over until it's over, and because God's an eternal being, it is never over. It never is. It is never over. Another thing I prayed consistently for is I felt this sense that God had called me to plant a church in my hometown when I was in seminary. And so I grew up in South Florida. I went back to South Florida to try to plant a church and ran into roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Uh, Eventually, I left South Florida and was trying to figure out where to go, and I ended up in Virginia Beach. Crazy thing, I was born at Portsmouth Naval. When people say, where are you from? Do I say South Florida or do I say Portsmouth Naval? I don't know, it's just sort of, I guess whatever is advantageous at the time. Uh, and, and so of course my dad got out of the Navy and, then, and we didn't, I didn't end up living here, but I didn't had no idea that this is where God wanted me all along to plant a church, is, was this part of my hometown memory. And so once again, it's this praying persistently, God has never let me down of anything I've ever play, prayed for with perseverance, specifically. And even when I thought, well, God, you blew it, you messed up, God's like, it ain't over, we ain't done yet. Keep praying. Have a little faith. Stand firm in this. Hold out for me. Stand firm in this. Other aspect of this uh, thing here, he says, to keep alert in perseverance. Uh, that word, keep alert, uh, it's a perfect metaphor for what was it was like when they were crossing the Atlantic. Uh, there was never a time where they could just say, well, we're good now, we can just go to bed. Nobody needs to stand the watch. We're good. No, they always had to. Uh, in the same way that over in fir- First Peter chapter five, he says, uh, "Be sober-minded and alert, because your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like the like a roaring lion, ready to devour you." Uh, when you understand that there's always a lion out there. By the way, I don't think it's any coincidence that Satan is can you know compared to a very large cat. Um, just I think there's something there. I won't expound on that for some of you who have issues with that. I just want to point that out. Uh, but he says just to keep in mind that. Uh, uh, the very nature of prey is they never are at rest. You notice that? When they're out there on the, on the Serengeti, they got, literally have eyes in the back of their head because they know somewhere out there is a lion in the bushes, in the weeds, somewhere looking out to get them. Uh, the same idea is with us, is that we need to be says, sober and alert. Sober is where you have, you have this sense of even I could fall. Uh, when you get to the point where you think that you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof, what did it say in 1 Corinthians 10? He says, so you think you're standing firm? Well, be careful then. That's when you're about to fall. Uh, Picture David. Now, sometimes people say, well, I could never do something like that. Oh, really? You know David had an affair with one of his close friends and then had the guy killed? God says he was a man after his own heart. This is a guy who wrote most of the Psalms. And you're telling me a guy with that kind of spiritual life could end up doing this. But no, no, not you. You're too spiritually strong to do something like that. Okay. Okay, okay. Right around the time you think, I could never, that's when you're most vulnerable to it. Another guy who was in the I could never category, Peter. At the Last Supper, is there with all his disciples, and he says, listen, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get arrested. When that happens, all of you guys are going to turn tail and run. And Peter stands up and says, you may be speaking for all the rest of them, but not me. Mm-mm. I'd rather die than do that, Jesus. And he's like, yeah, about that. You know, before the rooster crows three times, you, you'll, you'll, you'll deny you even know me. Nah, I would never, never, never. Well, later that night, what happens in the garden? Jesus goes and he says, I need you to, to stay up and pray for me and pray for yourselves. But what happens? They fall asleep. Jesus comes back and he says, couldn't you keep watch for me just one hour? He said to Peter, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, and you know the next line, but the flesh is weak you ever have those moments when you're sitting in church and you think to yourself, that's it, man, I'm doing this. Not me. I'm never going to fall for that again. You come up, you take communion, you know, think, okay, God, thank you for the bread. I thank you that this represents your forgiveness over me. As you dip your hand in the cup, you're, sorry, not your hand. It's not supposed to dip your hand in the cup. As you dip the <laughs> bread, be very clear, dip. That's why we also have a double cup option up here that has <laughs> bread on the bottom in case somebody else has dipped their hand. We also make them just so You dip the bread in the cup, and as you're doing that, that's God's promise to you. It's a reminder of God's promise to you that I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you fail a hundred times, my grace will continue to cover you. God, I'm going to take that promise, but you know something? This week, I'm not even going to need it because I'm not going to do this again. Well, you better be praying about that every day, all day long, because your spirit may be willing, but your flesh in that moment is very weak to temptation, and you need to be aware of the fact that it could come at you any time, even when you least expect it. Um, that's why it's such a good thing like Luther to be praying every single day, you know, don't let me go to this place of temptation, uh, that the evil foe may have no power over me. I uh, shared last week I, one of the, the prayers I love is the prayer of Jabez where he says, oh Lord that you'd bless me indeed and you'd enlarge my territory. Your hand would be upon me that you would, he says, that you would keep me from evil that I might not cause pain. You know, to be praying every single day, God keep me from evil, I might not cause pain. Of course you, you're probably familiar with, uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer, very similar. Uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, and we forgive those who trespass against us. And then what? And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, right there, within the Lord's Prayer, you have this idea of lead us not into temptation. Uh, if you look, if you kind of break it down, um, you know, how is it, you know, I thought God did, God didn't tempt us, so here we're saying God don't lead us into temptation. Uh, there's a whole lot co- complex uh, explanation on this. I'm going to summarize it really quick by saying one of the few times I think the New Living Translation really pulls out the essence of what it's talking about here. Uh, the New Living Transl- Translation puts this as, let us not yield uh, to temptation. Uh, this idea of when I'm at this point, I'm in the midst of a trial, and I want to run to temptation, Don't let me go down to that place. Remember we talked about how when God's put you in a trial, we want to run from it and we want to run to a temptation. God, don't let me run there. Uh, Let's see. Pray that I might avoid it, not travel on it, turn from it, go a different way. Uh, If you don't know what we're talking about there, go back a couple messages ago. That's what uh, Solomon told his son in Proverbs 4. Or the other idea is when you get there and you find you're in a place you shouldn't be, what should you do? Run, look for God's way out, and run. Lead me not to temptation, but deliver me from evil. I don't want to go there, and if I am there, deliver me. Open up that door so I can get out. See how this is all meshing together? Um, And then he ends this off, and he says, making supplication for all the saints. Now, I want to go back to the Lord's Prayer, and I want to reread that last part, and tell me if there's something you pick up on. He says, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Anything stand out? Now, the word all is not in there. <laughs> I think the answer is all, right? But you're real close. You're real close. Us, our, we, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us, not temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know what's funny is when we think about the Lord's Prayer, we'll say the plurality, but we always think the singular. Like, I'm saying give us this day, but I'm really thinking, God, give me this day my daily bread and forgive me for my sins as I go to forgive those who've sinned against me. And lead me not in temptation, but deliver me from evil. Now, I'll pray it, and I pray it from memory, the way I learned it, which was biblical, but I think it singular. What do you think he's trying to get across there? Prayer is meant to be a communal thing, that we're not just praying for ourselves, but we're praying with other people and for other people. That's what this prayer when it says Jesus teaches how to pray. Part of what he's teaching us how to pray is to be praying for ourselves and be praying for others and be praying with others. You are not faithfully praying the way God's taught you to pray unless you are praying with others and for others. This isn't just a, God, give me my needs, but be thinking about the needs of everybody else. Uh, pretty soon we're having a, st- or a couple of weeks from now, we're having a Stop Hunger Now event. Uh, that's part of that fulfillment of, God, give us this day our daily bread. Yeah, yeah, me and everybody in the whole wide world, And everybody in between both local food pantry worldwide people in my life people specifically people in generally that we might be given our daily bread and forgive us that i'd be praying not just for the reconciliation that i need to have with somebody but the reconciliation others need to make being praying for the amends that other people need to make even being praying for the forgiving heart of other people uh, around the world as well as well as specifically and in general that i'm not just praying for my own situation and i'm not just praying that i'll be kept from temptation, but praying for my kids would be avoiding temptation, that my spouse would avoid temptation, that my friends would avoid temptation, that people in my church would avoid temptation, uh, that our pastors and our leaders would avoid temptation. How many churches have been brought down by that? Uh, I pray that people in our world and our country and our leaders would not be falling into temptation. Um, who else do I need to be praying for when I pray through these elements of the Lord's prayer? Um there was other thing that was brought out in here is that you have these back to back things in the Lord's prayer about uh, lead us, or sorry, forgive us for our sins, but also lead us not to temptation. The idea is, is as a Christian, you're both praying for the things you've done, but also for the things you don't want to do. And as you move towards maturity, what you'll find is a lot of things you used to ask for forgiveness for, you're now avoiding because you're so praying for the prevention of it. And the hope is that you move more things from the forgiveness column to the prevention column as you grow in your maturity. And you would hope the same thing and pray for the same thing for your children as well. And so this picture of if you're not going to be battle ready unless first you're winning the battle of prayer. Before you ever step out on the battlefield in the morning when you wake up, God, help me be alert to the temptations that are out there. Keep me from the evil one that I might not cause harm. Uh, Those who are around me do the same. One last thing about praying for everybody. When you think about praying for everybody, who's the last person on earth you want to pray for? Everybody has somebody on that list. Would it also be fair to say that there's nothing you can do to change that person? And yet you're resisting praying to the one who actually has the power to change that person? That's the crazy thing about the prayer thing. I'll finish out with one last story. Uh, When I was in that same dorm room, they are now with the roommate that I'd actually prayed God for, we ended up sharing our faith with this other kid uh, who lived in the same building, uh, like like two floors up. And from time to time, he'd come down and we would talk and we were kind of helping him read the Bible and study. And uh, he was from Chicago. We were in school in Florida and found out as the course of the semester went on why he decided to go so far away from home and and the reason why was because his dad was an alcoholic and was very abusive and he had a lot of anxiety about having to go home for Christmas. It was the only time he was going to be going home over the course of the semester. Uh, He was going to stay on for summer school so he only had to go home that one time and he was dreading having to go home and being trapped in his house for two weeks with his dad who was always abusive and drunk all the time. And it was one of those things. I don't know where it came from. I just remember looking at him and saying, well, we're going to pray for your dad because God, God has the power to change your dad uh, that your trip home, your dad won't get drunk and he won't be abusive. And he's like, really, we can do that? I'm like, yeah, we can do that. And we prayed every single day. He'd come down and we'd pray and we'd pray and we'd pray. And the most amazing thing is when he got back after Christmas break, he said, you know, Steve, my dad didn't drink a single time I was home. God has the power to change Everyone. So why is it the people that you're least likely to pray for are the people you need to be praying for the most? Do you pray for our president? Whether you like his politics or not, whichever one it is. Over in, when Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, pray for all those in authority, for kings and rulers. You know who was in authority when he wrote that? The Roman emperor. The very emperor who would later behead him. The very emperor who was arresting Christians, lighting them on fire. And he says, pray for everyone, including the emperor. The emperor. Oh, but if you only knew how bad our president was. Paul's looking at you going, really? <laughs> really? Whichever one. I, I, don't, I don't think you're in the same ballpark. And here I'm telling you, pray for them. Pray for everyone, always. Pray that you be alert. Pray with supplication very specifically. Win the battle of prayer before you ever enter the battle every day. We join us as we close our time in prayer. Father, as we pause right now, uh, just to talk to you, Maybe marvel at the reality that the God of the entire universe who's made all things has invited us to come in and ask you for whatever, everything, hold nothing back. So God, right now we just pause in silence as each one in this room just comes to you, Father, with something specifically they need to ask you for. Father, we pray, Lord, that also that you would keep us from temptation. We might look for that way out and avoid it at all costs. Father, right now we pray for that person that we have not wanted to pray for. Knowing you have the power to change their heart. And lastly, Father, we also ask that you might forgive us for our sins as we seek to forgive those who have sinned against us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.